Excuse me. Took me a second to find that switch. Uh, if you're a kid, you can go ahead and head downstairs and uh, learn about Jesus down there. Uh, my name is Ethan Fordham. I serve as an elder here. If you don't know me, uh, grateful to bring the word this morning. Uh, let's pray uh, and just ask for the Spirit's assistance uh, this morning. Gracious and merciful God, we come to you and ask that by your Spirit, you would lighten our minds and our hearts. That as we walk through the darkness of this world, we might see a clear path before us. To walk in the steps of our Lord Christ as he walked in ours. As we anticipate life with you forever. Receive the glory and the honor and the praise this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really disappointing when circumstances don't meet our expectations. So, for instance, Gabby and I uh, had the opportunity this past summer to, uh, to spend a week in Switzerland. Highly recommend Switzerland. And whenever you go somewhere, you've always got to, like, look up what to do, right? Like, what do I have to do in this place that I'm going to? And every single list for Switzerland said, you got to get the fondue. It's classic. It's Swiss cuisine. You have to get fondue. And I'm thinking, that's cheese. That's great. We love cheese. Cheese is amazing. So it's our first night in Zurich. And we're like, okay, let's go get some fondue. Now's the time. So we find a restaurant literally a fondue restaurant, take a seat. We're looking at the menu. We see fondue, okay, there it is. We're like, okay, it's served with stale bread, potatoes, and pickles. Now, I don't need meat. I, I like vegetarian food. I like vegan options as well. So I'm not bothered by this. I'm like, okay. This will be a little bit more of a challenging meal than I anticipated. So we get it. You know, they bring it out. They bring out the, the little light and then the, the dish and this, you know, the, the ornamental sort of like, uh, it's all like trees and like moose and stuff that's plastered all over everything. And it's filled with this cheese and you've got the three things and you've got the pokers. So we take and like, here we go. Let's go. Like, okay, bread, that's the most traditional of the thing, so I stab the bread, I put it in the cheese, swirl it up, take, stick it in my mouth, and realize that I've made a grave error. I like a lot of food, but I hated this fondue. It was bad. It was so bad. It tainted my my nostrils. Like I could ever after this, we could smell it everywhere we went, and I was like, no. <laughs> This is terrible. And the bread, it was stale bread. I don't know what I expected. This is for someone. It wasn't for me. I was so disappointed that it just didn't meet my expectations. It was, you know, fondue. you got to try fondue. So I needed a resolve to do something. I couldn't just sit there and spend, you know, 36, I can't remember what the Swiss, Fran the Swiss francs, I think, uh, you know, $36 on this. I, I had to get something else. I had to eat something else. I needed a resolve. And I'm not confrontational. So 
walking up to or telling a waiter that I'm not happy with something is sort of like, hey, how is everything? It's fine, <laughs> you know? But I needed resolve. I, I had to eat something. So I did. I brought it up, and I resolved to get the brat, which is, honestly, I've had so many brats in Switzerland. It was amazing. It's really disappointing when circumstances don't meet our expectations. But it's even more disappointing when we don't meet our own expectations. Right? Maybe a little bit more serious. So we're driving to work. We expect to be careful drivers. We get into a car accident. And it's our fault. That's disappointing. Or if we have a really important test coming up and we fail the test. That's really disappointing. So we need to resolve in these situations. So we resolve to study better. We resolve to drive more carefully. But what about failed expectations with even greater consequences than this? We expect ourselves to be obedient to God, to obey his commands. The reality is, is that we often don't, and that's disappointing. We experience the disappointment of disobedience. We need to find some kind of resolve. So what should we resolve to do when we experience the disappointment of failing God's expectations. This morning we encounter Peter. Uh, Peter should really not be a mystery to us at this point. If he is, here's a primer on Peter. Peter is the first disciple named in the Gospel of Matthew. In the list of disciples in chapter 10, Peter's name is first. We even talk, when we talk about Peter, we talk about he's in the big three of the first three disciples, Peter, James, and John. He's the one who walked out onto the water. Like Jesus is walking on water. Peter's the one who, out of faith, stepped out onto the water and walked on the water to Jesus. He's an important person in the Gospels, in the history of the church. This is shown in Peter, is that Peter's a kind of representative for the other disciples. We see in chapter 16, Jesus asks the disciples, hey, who do people say that I am? And they respond and they sort of rattle off some of the current hubbub about Jesus, some of the current theories. Then he asks, who do you say that I am? And Peter, as a representative, he speaks up for the other disciples. And he says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And responding to Peter, Jesus told him, this is true. And that he was going to build the church on Peter and his confession that Jesus is the Christ. That's a lot of expectations for Peter, is it not? Like, that's like, wow. Do you imagine if somebody told you that? I, if somebody said that, to, I'd be like, I don't believe you. <laughs> but this is what Jesus says 
to Peter. And now we come just hours before our text here, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, Jesus told the disciples, hey, you're all going to fall away because of me on this night. But Peter, expecting strength from himself, he says, no, 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 no. No, Jesus, they might all fall away, not me. I'm not going to fall away. Never. I will not fall away. Jesus responds to him and he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. It's still Peter, the strong disciple, said, no, I will die before I deny you. That's some resolve, is it not? Those was his expectations of himself. I will die before I deny you. Might even say that Peter kind of had a pride problem. He was confident in his own ability to do what Jesus called him to. You get a sense from his words that nothing was going to stop him. Death was not going to stop him. There was no circumstance that could stand in the way of his obedience to his master and Lord. Peter was a strong disciple. Can we relate? Can we admit that as Christians, expectations are actually really high? They're really high. The call of God is to be holy even as the Lord is holy, to be perfect as the Lord is perfect. We can't just ignore that or qualify it away. That's a truth. It's what the Lord says to us. We worship in our relationship with a holy and righteous God who is the fullness of all perfection. And it's good. We want to be like him. And he gives us his law so that we might know what he's like. So that we might walk in obedience to his commands. And we rightfully expect obedience out of ourselves. This is good. We also want to be strong disciples. We expect ourselves to be strong disciples, obedient to God's commands. But you and I both know that often we are not. Often we are disobedient. In weakness, we fall into sin. We fail to meet God's expectations for obedience. And here we see Peter fall and fail to meet expectations and fall into sin. So we begin with our text. Peter is watching from a distance What's happening? You know, he is a little brave. He's only, he's one of two. We don't know what happens with the other disciples except for John. But he's one of two that actually get pretty close to the action. So he's a, he's a little brave. He gets close to the events. But in the sort of things happening, we read, A servant girl came up to him and said, 
you also were with Jesus the Galilean. This servant girl knows that Peter is a disciple of Jesus. And this servant girl is, is no threat to Peter, like at all, right? She's a young servant girl. So, Peter, you expect to be brave. You expect to stand up with Jesus. You expect even to die with him. What is your response? We read, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. This is a, a kind of interesting denial. He doesn't say that he doesn't know Jesus. He just kind of plays dumb. Like, I don't know what you mean. I don't, I don't know. What did you say? I don't know what you mean. He just kind of plays dumb. He plays it off. And even in the sight of this servant girl, who is no threat to him, Peter fails his own expectations. He denies Jesus. He wanted to be brave. But instead we see Peter, a weak disciple who has fallen in his first denial. This is disappointing. Well, in Peter's fear of being found out, he backs away to a safer position. But there he's met with a, another servant girl. But this girl doesn't speak directly to Peter. She speaks to the other bystanders. And she says, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. We, you know, sort of biffed that last one, Peter. Now you can be brave. Now you can step up and be who you expected to be. Be who God expects you to be. To stand up with Jesus in the twilight of his passion. Well, we read, and again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. The pressure of the crowd was on Peter now. So this time, he's not playing dumb. This time, he doubles down with an oath, with a promise. We're used to oaths in the context of a courtroom, are we not? Right? The oath to testify. Do you swear that the evidence you shall give to the court in this matter shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Any Law and Order fans out there? Right? We're used to this kind of oath. Peter's oath might have been something like this. As the Lord lives, I do not know the man. Peter is adding insult to injury. And he perjures himself. This is a lie with a promise attached to it. I promise I don't know this man. There is no longer any sign of bravery in Peter whatsoever. For fear of being found out by an even larger group of people, Peter 
fell in his second denial. This is disappointing. Now some time passed between the last encounter. One of the other gospels says it's about an hour has passed. When enough time passes, right, we often take the time to cool down, right, and to maybe reconsider some things. Well, did Peter cool down and reconsider his last two statements? Well, we read, after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you two are one of them, for your accent betrays you. The crowd recognizes his accent. It's like knowing someone is from the South. You just rec- you recognize their accent. Or if somebody's from the South, maybe they, I don't know what a Northern accent sounds like. I've just lived up here my whole life. I don't know. <laughs> right? But Peter sounds like someone who's from the same place that Jesus is from and all of these other disciples are from. So logically it makes sense. You sound like them. He's not fooling anybody. Nature comes out against him. Okay, Peter, you've had time to cool down and to reconsider. Are you going to stand up and be strong like you expect to die with Jesus? Especially in the face of this crowd now, who are all now looking at you? Is this the time Peter quits playing games and just admits he's with Jesus? Unfortunately not. We read, then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. Oh, Peter is doubling down after doubling down. This is a quadruple down. And it's really, really bad. He's no longer tolerant of this Jesus nonsense anymore. And he invokes a curse from God on himself. This curse, this statement, might have been something like, if I know this man, may the curse of Almighty God fall upon me. I swear on my life that I do not know Jesus. Now Peter is being brave. But unfortunately, he's being brave in a lie. And he is more willing to face the wrath and curse of Almighty God rather than to admit that he is a disciple of Jesus. This is truly disappointing. Peter's denied Jesus three times in front of many witnesses. He's fallen in weakness. He's not been who he's expected to be and has lied both indirectly and directly. He's broken the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not lie. And to make it even worse, he's also broken the third commandment. You shall not take the Lord's name, the Lord your God's name in vain. He's attached 
the Lord's name to his lie. He's feared God, man rather than God. Here we see Peter, the weak disciple. And in Peter, we see a mirror of our weak selves. Matthew Henry said, This is written for warning to us. That we sin not after the likeness of Peter's transgression. That we never either directly or indirectly deny Christ the Lord that bought us by rejecting his offers, resisting his spirit, disassembling our knowledge of him, and being ashamed of him and his words, or afraid of suffering for him and with his suffering people. Friends, have you feared man? rather than God? Has the fear of others led you to be silent when questioned or confronted as a disciple of Jesus? Let's be honest. Sometimes we remain silent when we should have bore witness to Christ. But we're afraid. Peter was afraid. We too can be afraid. Afraid to lose our jobs, afraid to, afraid to lose friends, maybe afraid to lose respect in the eyes of others. Unfortunately, we fear these so often before we fear God. Or have you proudly thought yourself beyond the capacity? To certain sins? Have you looked at someone else and said, man, shame on them, but that's not possible for me? Peter thought denying Jesus was impossible for him. But we are weaker than we think. Has your weakness to certain sins led you to directly or indirectly deny Christ with your actions? In weakness, sometimes we just want that one sin, don't we? That one sin to comfort us. We cease to care about the consequences and jump headlong into whatever it is. We say with our actions, be gone, Jesus. I don't need you to inform my choices. And we do this only to later feel the crushing weight of shame and guilt. Sometimes we fall. And here we see Paul, Peter was a fallen and weak disciple. Brothers and sisters, we can't avoid these things. We can't ignore these things. We know these things are true about ourselves. The question is, 
What are we to do when our weakness and disobedience lead to the disappointment of failed expectations? We know that we have to resolve to do something. So what is it that we should resolve to do? We go on to read, and immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. The rooster crowed, just as Jesus said it would. And it comes crashing down on Peter like a ton of bricks. Peter realizes that he sinned. He's not denied the Lord once, not twice, but three times. And each time was worse than the last. And it was an escalation of denials. And realizing this, he went and he wept bitterly. But even though he lied with an oath and denied Jesus, even though he called the curses of God down on his head as he denied his master and Lord, we see that the Lord has not denied Peter. The Lord has attended to Peter in his weakness and brought the words of Christ to bear on his conscience. And Peter is broken because of it. His tears were not empty and vain, but true signs of repentance for his sin. Instead of leaving weak Peter in his fallen state, Christ raised him up and gave him the resolve to repent. Friends, when God breaks the heart for sins, this is a great kindness of the Lord. Notice these things. When God breaks the heart for sin, he does so with his own word. Peter remembered Christ's word. Christ knew Peter better than Peter did. Peter thought too highly of himself. But God sees people with true judgment. Peter realized what Jesus said to him was true. They were hard words brought about, to, uh, given to Peter to bring about his repentance. And he repented with tears. If you're unfamiliar with this word, uh, repentance, repentance simply means to change one's mind. Simplest terms, that's what repentance means, to change one's mind. A more complicated, more theological definition from our catechism, question and answer, says this, what is repentance unto life? Repentance unto life is a saving grace by which a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, does, with grief and hatred of his sin, turn from it unto God 
with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. If you're not a Christian this morning and you're sort of unfamiliar with or not sure about a life of faith in Christ, I think you and I would both agree and admit that something is wrong in the world. There's something wrong in us. We're, we're not as we ought to be. So naturally, as people, we, we value saying sorry and asking for forgiveness, don't we? This is a good thing. Even as people, we try to find resolve and, to, and expect to, to live differently. This is good. But ultimately, our inward sense of failure, our inward sense of guilt and shame points to the fact that we have failed God, that we have offended the Holy Lord. Because of sin, we have something to be sorry about before a holy God. But he desires that we should leave our sins behind. The Lord desires this. He desires all people everywhere to repent. Why? We know that a day is coming when he will judge the world. Now, the Lord doesn't get his kicks or his jollies out of punishing sin. But he must because he's good and he's just. We would not expect anything less from an earthly judge. We ought not to expect anything less from a holy and perfect God. But to the repentant, he promises to give life. Those who come to Christ in faith and repentance find new life in the Lord. So friend, if you don't know Jesus, I encourage you, come to Christ in faith and repentance. Know this Jesus. Know true life. If you're a Christian here this morning, when God breaks the heart for sin, he does so to bring about our repentance. We don't repent once. The Christian life is a life of repentance. Don't be afraid of those challenging words of God because he uses them to soften our hearts. When the Spirit of Christ convicts you of sin with his words, resolve to repent. Leave the sin behind and pursue living according to the life that Christ has already given you. When you fall by weakness into the sin of complacency with regard to evangelism, which is telling other people about Jesus, resolve to repent by seeking to make Christ known. Spend time with our unbelieving loved ones, our friends, our family. Love them for their own sake, but will the good of God for them. 
when you fall by weakness into the sin of fearing man rather than God. Repent by fearing God and speaking true peace and love to those around you. Have we noticed sin, perhaps in one another's lives, but we've avoided the discomfort of confrontation? Or perhaps have we avoided deep and meaningful relationships at all so that we might not have to speak too much truth to others, maybe even as a self-protection, so they might not speak too much truth to me. When you fall by weakness into the sin of directly or indirectly denying Christ before others, friends, repent by making Christ known to them. And I would even go as far as to say, apologize to them for keeping Christ from them. And in that, let them know that if Christ can forgive me for my sins, he can forgive anyone for theirs. Brothers and sisters, the Lord promises. The Lord always raises the repentant to life in Christ. Well, how do I know this? I know this because of Peter. After this incident, after Christ is crucified, after the three days in the grave and Christ's resurrection, Jesus is spending some time with the disciples. And we read at the end of John a conversation between Jesus and Peter. We see this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Peter has denied Jesus three times. But the Lord Jesus Christ restores Peter with a threefold affirmation of love. Peter's resolve to repent led to his resolve to love the Lord Jesus. Yet he did so as a leader in the church until the day he died. Friends, let us also, after we've resolved to repent, resolve to love, to love the Lord Jesus 
and to love others. Brothers and sisters, when we fall in weakness, Christ raises us up so that we may resolve to repent. Amen? Let's pray to the Lord. Gracious and merciful God, we confess to you our weakness. Lord, we need you for strength. We confess that we often fall into sin in the things that we do, in the things that we leave undone. Lord, raise us up. Hold us fast. Take our hearts and seal them for your courts above. We are prone to wander, Lord. But even as we are prone to wander, Lord, you are strong to preserve us. Give us grace and mercy according to your promises in Christ Jesus declared unto mankind. We pray in his name. Amen. Friends, we have the opportunity as we do every week to come and participate in the Lord's Supper together. We confess that we are often weak disciples. Yes? Say amen if I'm a weak disciple.